0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 138 of Fun With Cars. We are here to cover the Belgian Grand Prix from Spa, Belgium. No, wait. Got that wrong. Looking at my notes. From Frank Richa, Belgium. I'm Robin Warner. And
1: I am Jim Lau. And we had a brilliant weekend of mixed conditions, which is sort of the usual
0: deal for Spa. Which is sort of awesome.
1: Yes. Um, and I might even venture to say that the qualifying was, like, more exciting than the race. I might even venture to agree with you. Cause, so I watched it yesterday, and uh, and shortly after it ended, I texted you, like, Dude, this is amazing. It's qualifying. Just, <laughs> just the way, you know, the... Uh the way that the weather played into it and the unpredictability and there was all these strategy calls about, oh, are we going to go out on dry tires or wet tires or how is it all going to work, which uh, is really fun. It was this, you know, unexpected uh, shakeup, which ended up with, uh, you know, both Marushas getting out of Q1 um, and into Q2 and, and one Caterham, um, the STRs be, being, you know, odd man out in, uh, in you know, out in Q1. Uh, you know, DuResta being it, like looking like pretty close to pole for quite a while. It just, yes, just you know, well, it, and just the way the track dried out and all that, it could have been, it could have been Red Bull's down at the bottom of you know nine and ten or whatever. So it just it was
0: DuResta on pole for a while in Q3. Right, it, it was really pretty fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah, and uh, so it was just the the drama there and what happens when you have you know just dealing with nature and especially the way uh, huh. the way that uh, Spa is laid out that uh, you'll have, you know, part of the track being wet when the rest of it is not. And all these things uh, just really came together to make it really quite exciting. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, Lewis Hamilton was the last guy to cross the line and uh, had timed his round just perfectly at the end of Q3 um, to to just pip uh, Sebastian Vettel. So it was Hamilton on pole at the very end, which was cool to see because uh, that was also my prediction. I had forgotten because it was a bloody month ago that we made those predictions. Yes. But, um, but uh, and then, you know, my, my race thing didn't go so well, but whatever. But, oh, uh, it went fine. It was, I mean,
0: uh, it went as I expected it would go anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was uh, just... You know, just a just a thrilling series of, you know, you don't, don't know what's going to happen next and what's going to happen with the track and all that. And then for the race, it was uncharacteristically dry for the whole race. You know, it was still good times. There was still good racing. I mean, we still love the track. Uh, no caution period. So that was good. It was the race just flew by. You know, it was full speed the whole time. Yeah. And um, but as as uh, Vettel said, I mean, and this was just, you know, a a Vettel master class, as it's been called. And just right. managing the, the, you know, he's passed Lewis Hamilton uh, coming out of Vare Rouge on lap one. And never look back. I mean, there were pit strategy, you know, pit right. cycles where he wasn't first. But
0: And I kept telling just, him, it's like, Vettel, stop looking backwards. The road is ahead of you. You know what I mean? And, he, and he's finally listening. And that, and that part's good. I want to throw what I found to be a very interesting statistic um, out of today's results. Okay. Um, or stat might be a better way to say it. Did you know that Sebastian Vettel had the fastest lap of the race? Yes, I did. Okay. He did that on lap 40. But – Who had the second fastest lap of the race?
1: Checo Perez.
0: Jensen Button.
1: That was just totally a guess. But hey, cool.
0: Yeah, no. It it, it just shows. I think there is a little bit more confidence in the McLaren team, and I think they are rightfully – are they a right to have that confidence? Um, Jensen Button ended up finishing the race sixth, which isn't a completely unrecognizable result for him. Um, But it is – it is – Better than I think many would have expected, especially at Spa. And he was showing really good pace for, for some amount of time because he was up in third. And he was actually leading this race um, for a short stint in between um, Vettel's uh, first pit stop.
1: Yeah, and uh, Button said that the team was a little bit too timid with tire calls today. That they weren't. They they had a good strategy, but then I think when it came down to it, they pitted a little bit early for their for their first uh, go around of pit stops, and then there was just you know there wasn't a way for them to uh, to get the laps that they needed out of the same set of tires to to complete it as a one stop race, right. which would have probably let him in, you know left him in third spot, but. Um, But they said, you know, just they they would make a call and then just, you know, second guess it just just ever so much. And I think that was maybe the deal with the first pit stop was like, oh, should we pit? Oh, I don't know. Should we? Yes or no? And then they end up pitting. And then, you know, later on decided, oh, that would have been better if we'd stayed out. So it seems like, you know, it's been a while since they've been really dicing for a podium spot, really at the sharp end of the grid. And maybe the nerves kind of got to the team a little bit.
0: Well, and also that it would take clever pit strategy to get to that podium. You know what I mean? That's not a usual McLaren thing. They're usually trying to figure out race wins um, and podiums kind of a backup plan, and they're certainly not there right now. Right. Um, the other thing that I found interesting uh, sticking with uh, McLaren is that uh, Jensen Button is now ninth in the championship, not tenth. Which I believe where he was before. And um, he is ninth ahead of Paul Resta, who is tenth, who is out of the race, which we'll get to in a little while, I'm sure which means do do McLaren has now moved up to fifth in the uh, Constructors' Championship ahead of Force India, um, 65 points to 61. Um, they still have a long way to go to get to fourth, which is Lotus Renault, <laughs> 122 <laughs> 100, more points. 187 points, and then from there it just goes up and up and up, and then another solid jump to uh, number one spot uh, with Red Bull. But... This is something you and I talked about in our last podcast, our mid-season review. That hey, it looks like McLaren's gonna you know catch up and overtake Force India. I don't think any of us thought it'd be this quickly though.
1: Yeah, and this um, you know this isn't really what counts because it is so late in the championship. Uh, well, it's halfway. I guess it's not that late, but that uh, I, would, I would be amazed if they could really make this into a. Like you say, it's like, okay, they've gotten ahead of Force India, but it's so far out of reach that it's very unlikely that they're going to move any farther from here. So it's really just do they stay here at fifth or do they possibly move backwards if, if, you know, Force India has some good results, which is not, um, you know, we have no reason to think that they won't uh, also be pushing forward. Obviously, McLaren is sort of a bigger team and there's a lot more going on behind the scenes, but that, uh, you know, what it all comes down to on track, you know, those Force Indias have really been, uh, been doing quite well. Um, but what and I'm, there's
0: no reason to see them totally fall off. Yeah. And but Lotus, you know, is still doing, in many ways, better than McLaren. Right. Even with McLaren's, what we would I would argue is a step forward in performance.
1: Yeah. But where I think this becomes more interesting is looking at next year and even beyond, as it becomes McLaren Honda in 2015 and yes. so on. Yes. But uh, you know, there's there's talk now of Lewis, uh, of, of of Jensen. Being uh, putting himself on the driver's market. Uh, you know, his, his contract does end apparently at the end of this year um, and saying, well, I'm not necessarily going to be a McLaren driver. I don't know if he's got options to extend at McLaren or how exactly the details work. But um, the idea is if the team can be good enough to keep Jensen interested to start the new era starting 2014, you know, the whole new engines and the whole thing, uh, if they can keep, uh, keep the core team moving forward there, I think that'll be much better for McLaren, you know, medium to long term rather than, Okay, they, you know, Jensen sort of gives up and says, oh, there's a seat of Ferrari I can have filling out where Massa was, or, you know, I don't think right. he's got a Red Bull or whatever, but who knows. Um, and uh, I, I
0: would find that unlikely as well. Right. Although I would, uh, funny you say that really quickly, I would say that Vettel might prefer Button compared to some other options.
1: Right. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, I think, where what McLaren really needs to look at right now is they're not going to win any championships this year. Um, if they could win a race, that would be great, but even that isn't. You know, ultimately what matters. But I think getting the, getting getting on the right foot, you know, at the end of this year to go into the next and kind of um, start off on a good path for the coming sort of two, three years, I think that's uh, a very big deal for them. And, you know, they've got – this Checo was about a four-year deal or five-year deal or something three. crazy. It was okay, was three. It's just three. Um, but uh, which but even, still, even that's that, a big deal. That's a long time.
0: Especially for a younger guy who's moving up like that. Usually it's not that serious of a commitment right away.
1: Right. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, if, if Jensen moves around, but also, of course, you know, guys like Hulkenberg, who's really shown great pace, but um, just hasn't quite found uh, the right things coming together for a deal yet. And, of course, how the rest of the driver's market shakes out, who knows. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's good-looking for McLaren, but, uh, uh, you know.
0: Well, speaking of good-looking for McLaren, and since we're kind of still on this McLaren tip, let's go right into uh, Sergio Perez getting a, a slap on the wrist and, uh, it was funny cause it seemed to me there was a little bit of disagreement within our, um, within our viewing space about whether it was deserved or not. Of course, I'm talking about, um, Sergio's pass on Romain Grosjean in the earlier part of the race. And as he was passing, he ended up, uh, going back more towards the normal racing line, but Grosjean was still there. And so Grosjean pushed more and more outside and, um, Long story short, Perez got a penalty for pushing Grosjean off track.
1: Yeah, um, so I guess it's a little bit debatable. Um, my my first reaction to that was okay, you know, Grosjean should have just backed off a little bit sooner once he saw the pass was, you know, all but done. Um, that if he had backed off a little bit, they could have both carried on through the corner and it would have been fine. I think that may have been uh, Grosjean thinking, oh, I bet if I stay out here and really show show that I'm being pushed out that uh, that I'll get a penalty rather than like, you know, I can't win on outright driving pace. But if I can, you know, be a little bit clever with, um, you know, not quite to the point of it's not like flopping in football or whatever, but it is uh, a little bit <laughs> of like, um, you know, I guess whining kind of comes to mind of like sort of, oh, I you know, but I, I can stay out here. It's like I think you don't see that kind of thing um, in, you know, kind of the guys that we really praise – um, you know, we, we don't see like Alonzo, I think, you know, in that kind of a situation sort of being like, oh, I was really pushed out. Alonzo will like, you know, just react very quickly to what's going on, deal with what he can, maybe back off, try to get another run through the next corner, you know, just right. try to make it happen, uh, you know, more often than, um, you know, just sort of hanging out there and, and then saying, oh, that should be a penalty. Well, Grosjean out.
0: is no longer that long, that young, um, but he's still a young guy and he's still one of the very eager drivers. So he's going to be He's going to be much more puppy-like when it comes to his level of excitement about things. But I think for me the critical element was I've definitely seen that move that pass where people on a back straight or on a straight pass and then eventually get back over the racing line. To me, though, uh, Perez started leaning, going back towards the racing line before he was clear of uh, Romain. So Romain was reacting to Gourjon and it was just going out, out, farther i certainly agree that romaine could have done some things better to make it to make it a better move he could have maybe shifted quickly to the inside and maybe maybe done something a little bit more clever there there's no doubt that romaine didn't pick the best possible conclusion but i think it just to me it does just build it's another slight little bit of evidence that shows that Perez is just a little over-eager and a little over-anxious and a little overly aggressive with his driving style.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the penalty, of course, was was given to, to Checo. He he served it, and they, they moved on. Um. And so, I, you know, I, I can't say that that's not fair. I mean, it is, it is what happened. Um, but, you know, just kind of the way it played out could have gone differently. But uh, I guess yeah. that's always the case with any of these things that uh, that could have happened. Uh, I would like to talk about Kimi Raikkonen, though, if I could. Yeah. Uh, that was a disappointing race. Um. Partly, I mean, he started, what, ninth. Um, it was not uh, the most brilliant. Uh, it was eighth, actually, on the grid. Um, you know, because not the most brilliant uh, qualifying with our with our exciting, crazy, mixed qualifying back. Right. But, you know, crazier things have happened. I mean, Grosjean was, was able to do well. Uh, he ended up eighth um, with a, uh, you know, trying to be soft on his tires and so on, uh, doing one of the only one-stop strategies. But... Um, uh, you know, Rekkinen was looking he had just some some great moves. I mean, at Spa, Rekkinen is actually the winningest driver here at Spa. And um, winningest active
0: or winningest period?
1: Um, uh, certainly winningest active. I don't know if it's winningest period. Actually, it's a good question. But it's like four victories with you know McLarens and yeah, Ferraris I mean, and everything. Like
0: that's a great track to right. have that stat. There's right. there's no doubt about it.
1: Uh, and we saw just some some of these great moves. Did and, I just
0: channel my inner David Hobbs? Oh, there's
1: no doubt about it. Hey, there you go. Um, but you know what what ended his day? You know what it was that I actually did him in. What was it? It was a tear off from someone else's car flew into his brake duct, and that's
0: that, what was causing the problems. And then
1: that was his, you know, left front brake and uh, overheating and overheating, and then had eventually the failure and just had to retire. Yeah,
0: I mean that, and that was what I was going to say, even leading up to that specific uh, bit of knowledge, is that you know Kimi Raikkonen had this incredible run of race completion, mm-hmm. thirty eight, I think, was the number before this happened. And what caused him to not complete this race, of course, wasn't a mistake on his part. It was a mechanical failure. And even more to the point now, it was a mechanical failure caused by something rogue on track. I mean, that's amazing. I mean,
1: you, we see these brake visors. You know, people do the tear-offs coming down the pit lane, and they just kind of fly off into wherever right. um, with the crazy airflow that there is around an F1 car. And, you know, you kind of wonder, every once in a while, I wonder if those ever go anywhere, you know, like whatever <laughs> happens. And, but the thing was, and I actually noticed this part way through the race, was like his left front brake was always glowing, and the right front was like fine. So, yeah. which tells you, okay, it's not that the car is fundamentally wrong and set up, and, you know, it's not that much harder. I mean, yes, okay, it's ultimately a right-hand track, so there's going to be maybe, you know, some more loading on the tires, but the brakes aren't really going to be different left to right, you know, slightly maybe, but not, not, you know, not a huge amount. But the fact that they looked at the cooling and whatever, and the uh, that's basically what it came down to. Was, right. You know, it's, it's so it's – what a disappointment, though, for all the um, – uh, you know all the time and money and effort, uh, and you uh, know everyone pouring their heart into this program, and to you know be able to get the car and race the car and do as well as they can, and so on. That a piece of plastic, a like you know so one cent piece of plastic that yes. just happens to fly in the wrong thing.
0: Oh, well, these are Formula One tariffs. I'm sure it's many hundreds of dollars. Well,
1: but it but, and and costs not retail price. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, but th- that all that can be undone. And of course, there's crashes and there's all kinds of stupid things that can happen. But like for a tear off to go into the brake duct and then it goes all wrong from there man that's uh that sucks and uh, like you say it ends his his run of, of of point scoring it's the first time he's retired since working for lotus um you know because his last retirement was you know was back in ferrari before his his two-year gap and all this kind of stuff like really? it's just yeah wow um, i didn't
0: know that part that but that yeah think I mean, about it 38 yeah. races is yeah. a lot longer yeah wow so
1: it's just and and he sort of says you know He's Kimi Räikkönen, so he's not emotional about it. He sort of says, "Yeah, that sucks, uh, but oh well, right. It'll be okay. It was okay up until it wasn't, and I was upset that my brakes were no good."
0: Yeah, I, and it it does. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a pretty incredible, uh, Kimi. He you know he is remarkably consistent, and it is incredible that now he's become one of the mature drivers. And I'm talking about age. Um, that that's kind of the thing he can lean on is just ridiculous amounts of consistency. He doesn't make mistakes really, you know, and even, you know, he had that reputation, uh, pre leaving for the WRC, but it seems to be only more the case now. Obviously the records of race finishes is an obvious ones, but just, you know, I can't think of any serious mistake he's made in a long time. And even uh, early early in the season when his tires fell off big time, or this was early last year even, where his tires fell off big time, and he went from, like, second to 14th in, right, like, two in China, or three laps yeah. or something. And he didn't cause a mistake. He just drove the car slower because that's now as fast as the car could go. I mean, to me, that's just incredible. And uh, I, we have to jump out of the race at, at Spa for a moment and talk about what that means for a Red Bull seat for next year.
1: Yeah, nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's never been a question of like is Kimi Raikkonen a good driver? Uh, I mean, that's no, not no, what they're I agree. looking at. I know, I know. And it, but it, like you say with with his age and so on, it's not like this is oh this is going to be start of some seven-year program and then you know, 5 years he's going to be our champion and then again and whatever. It's like it's just sort of what does it make sense for Red Bull with their with their efforts and money and marketing and whatever to Um, you know, get behind Kimi and will they get some good results? Well, yeah, but um, they also have that with Vettel, who's also just doing quite well and who just quietly dominated this race. So, you know, it's more of of a, you know, political and marketing question than it is of any speed. So I I don't know that this kind of performance is going to, you know, the Christian Horner is going to look at that and go, wow, this Kimi guy, if he doesn't have Pfizer tear off in his duct, then he's great.
0: (laughs) Here's what I wonder though. I mean, look at how dominant Vettel was today. I mean, Vettel was boring. Because he was on his own the entire frickin' time, except for a couple laps after his first pit stop. He was completely on his own. But he was never
1: under threat by anyone. Never
0: under threat by anybody. Passed Lewis right away and was gone. That, That was the end of it. It was a race for second. And even that really didn't happen. Congratulations, Fernando Alonso. But, you know, Weber ended up finishing fifth and was not showing dominant performance. And had Vettel not been there, you know... He you know, Red Bull wouldn't have won the race. And it makes me wonder if they are starting to long for a much stronger second driver that can deliver Red Bull one twos. I mean, if the car really is superior, then why is it very seldomly that we get full Red Bull dominance, we just get Vettel dominance.
1: Well, at the beginning of the year, it was full Red Bull dominance, and then there was chaos and drama between the teammates and multi-21 and the whole thing. But since then, I think the the, the team has just more so than ever has just shaped the whole car and the dynamics and the setup around Vettel. And that's such, the end of it, yeah. Such that, I mean, you know, that's just my opinion, but, you know, it just sort of seems reasonable. Um, so, you know, yeah, I don't know if there's anything to say that if they had Ricardo in the car and next year for example and they said okay let's you know we've got Vettel is right now winning everything and he's boring uh-huh. and whatever Ricardo is going to get up to speed and sort of have this ramp up but then ultimately at some point Vettel's going to retire or want to go drive a Ferrari or go do whatever um, and uh, you know but it's a, that longer game they can play you know Ricardo will be younger and hungry and, and so on so it's like there is still that that dynamic where it's like you know I think it, it would make sense for them to shift resources towards, okay, let's make sure that, you know, Daniel is on board with doing this and that. And, yes, he's number two for now, but then after three more years or two more years or who knows how long Vettel will stay interested and excited about it, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes and, you know, where the, where the levels shake out with the new powertrains too. I mean, that could be a shakeup. There's no reason to think that Renault won't be really strong in the new uh, generation as yeah. well, but who knows, right? You know, crazy things have happened. So
0: Speaking of hungry, though, yeah, I'm getting hungry and – Belgian waffles would be great. But we we also we did not do fish and chips.
1: That's true. We never never quite did uh, consummate the whole taste of the race for uh for England.
0: So that's something to consider. It would be really cool if we could do a taste of the race breakfast edition and then hit up some Belgian waffles. Do you know what I mean? Like what would be what would be a taste of the race that would be like, ooh, we can miss this one.
1: One that wait, one that we would avoid? Yes. I mean, there's, all, there's something good in, like, all the countries. I mean, you know, it's like, well, that's, that's well, the problem. Well, we Bahrain like- and Abu Dhabi. Is like almost the same food. Yeah, and we right pretty down, much go
0: to Lebanon, Lebanon every time we do those anyway.
1: Right, which is which is what they have there. I mean, you know, that's that's, that's a lot of the same food. I think we're we're being pretty pretty legit, and uh, by having Lebanese food, I mean that's a lot of the food that you find around there. Of course, there are regional specialties and there are different things, but yeah. you know, we get Middle Eastern food often enough, Lebanese food often enough, <laughs> separate from taste of the race. That that's certainly one we could sort of strike from the record and say, mm. you know, what we did Bahrain, we don't really need to do Abu Dhabi as well.
0: That is interesting, and if uh, if any of our listeners have an opinion on that like what is the best race to just have belgian waffle breakfast instead let us know because i would be fascinated to get your much more uh cultured worldly opinions than ours
1: well the thing is i think about belgian waffles is that well what we call belgian waffles here are not of course actual belgian waffles that it's not the actual belgian waffle is not so much a breakfast thing well you
0: tell me what you think a belgian waffle is then
1: it's a it's like a crispy um it's more like a cookie and it's uh, you know you, you can have jam on it you can do different stuff or you can have uh, you know they have savory ones sort of like a crepe almost but it's you know it's a crunchy thing now instead of a dough so
0: uh, oh. so it's like so that's... Belgian waffles do their own waffles wrong I'm really confused
1: yeah well if for certain definitions leave
0: leave it to America let me tell have you how fix they... Belgian waffles let me tell you how they play football that is going <laughs> to blow your mind <laughs> wait wait this isn't even the right shape what is this an ellipse. So okay, maybe there's more racing to talk about. I might have I might have jumped the gun there. Well, not really. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. It actually was. Okay, Maldonado had a crash. Oh man! I mean, I'm done defending that guy. (laughs) I'm. Although it was funny because the U.S. commentators were saying, and I think they had a point that Maldonado is probably more likely to be an active guy in the job market than some of the other drivers because he has so much money with him, because he's connected to um, Venezuelan oil Mm -hmm. that he can, he can take that money. And the one, the team they thought about was force India. And of course it's perfectly reasonable why they would say that. Um, And so ironically enough, Maldonado could be the one that moves to a better team more than some of the other drivers, even though uh, he, he's he got a spotty record for performance.
1: Yeah, although it's okay. We haven't talked about him for a while because he's been out of the news for a while, partly because True. he's been in the super slow, you know, seemingly undrivable uh, Williams, and sometimes he's proven proven the car to be
0: undrivable. And, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's not like, you know, he's in 20th all the time and Botas is, you know, scoring points. I mean, both right. drivers are struggling. right. And, you
1: know, sometimes it goes one way or another with qualifying and, and the race and so on. But, yeah, um, so it's – I think that is, you know, we've seen that he's got, you know, good speed when everything comes together with the tires and the whole thing. I mean, that was last year's race victory and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, it's got to be just a combination of some miscommunication, some frustration with, like, finally seeing a little glimmer of hope. Like, oh, I can make this pass. And then, you know, it goes goes crazy. And then he just tried to turn off uh, – turn back over to get to the pit lane and, you know, was, you know, not – Well enough on his mirrors or his spotters weren't telling him What was going on apparently he said his radio was broken Which uh, may or may not have uh, Really had you know should that have an effect Or
0: not probably not but you know what maybe they Misunderstood maybe he had like some Really like nice smooth jazz On his radio and that Stopped working and it like threw him off Like oh man I was in this nice calm mode And now just like you know smooth Operator and then it was just like Like part of his anger management yeah Yeah. so maybe Not smooth jazz maybe it was more of an RB guy
1: yeah, like that Venezuelan jams that uh, that he likes so much.
0: Uh ironically enough, I heard Venezuelan jams are really good on your Belgian waffle. Yeah, well, cookie thing. I think
1: that's a thing. Uh so that, you know, that was the only sort of um really big uh you know, I guess sharing of uh, carbon fiber parts into the uh, into the grass today, but um <laughs> otherwise, you know, yeah, it was not uh, not terribly dramatic. Um there was that threat of rain near the very end of the race. That would have been pretty wild if, you know, 10 laps to go. Um, okay, all of a sudden now it's raining, and then you have that whole question of, oh, can we stay out on dry tires? Should we go to Inters? You know, do right. we pit now? Who's already pit? Who gets lucky? Like, that is the kind of thing we sort of look for at Spa that really does shake things up. Um, but, uh, you know, did not happen today, so Vettel was able to just comfortably cruise. But shout out to Alonso, I mean, to continue to get. Um, you know, now, more he than that card the grid. You mentioned yes. Kimi Raikkonen
0: being ninth. He was eighth. Yeah, he was eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Alonso. Uh, Alonso. Ninth, yeah. From ninth to, ninth to, second. to second. Very uh, good. You know,
1: ahead of Hamilton, who was on pole. Ahead of Rosberg, of course. Um, and, and the rest of them. You know, uh, Massa driving for his job went from tenth to seventh. So, you know, yeah, it's better. I don't know. Not amazing. Um, and uh, and on on from there. So yeah, Button ending up sixth with his teammate Perez out in eleventh with no points. And uh, I guess shout out to. Uh, Daniel Ricardo as well, making it up to tenth, um, starting nineteenth. Uh, you know that's that's a lot to do. To, right, uh, and
0: and in Ricardo, we can say, uh, was one of the unlucky ones with the way the rain fell versus where his laps were going and that kind of stuff. He right. just couldn't put that it wasn't together.
1: Just a pure pace thing. So um, yeah, Charles Peak uh, only ran eight laps today. Had a, had a pretty dismal race. Just uh, went into the pits
0: a bunch of times and then ended up retiring. Oh, but then you know actually, I'm glad you said that because shout out to Romain Grosjean, he did finish the race. Right, he he completed his first racing lap at Spa. And he, uh, and then the months. start of the race got quite close for him, poor guy. He was like, oh, no, no, no. And yeah. then, but he actually, he squeaked through this time, no problem.
1: Right. And, uh, and then we saw
0: also the, uh, the Marouchas. Oh. oh, I bet you Grosjean said, merde, merde, merde. <laughs> Don't swear on the show. Well, it's the one French, you know, word that's like sweary that, that I know. That is the one word
1: that you know in French.
0: Um, well, No, it's one of, no, I actually know three. And ironically enough, do you know what the third one is? Trey. Which, if it were Spanish, might sound like three, but it's Trey, which is very. Yes. Très bien. Well done. Thank you.
1: Uh, Merci beaucoup. Ah, nice. Uh, so Marusha's, of course, starting 15th and 16th, a uh, best ever qualifying for them. Ended up 18th, 19th. Eh, kind of back where we'd well, expect. you know. The Caterhams, though, um, as we mentioned, Charles Peake, uh, just retirement and terrible in uh, 22nd. But uh, Guido Vandergaard ending up 16th, so there was a small hope um, because, of course, he started 14th on the grid. That there was a chance, oh, maybe he could actually uh,
0: oh, right, st- tire you know. better the 13th place that Marussia got right. earlier this season and, uh,
1: and and move them forward in the, in the bottom end of the championship, which is, of course, very important for sponsorship money and TV money and all well, that. Uh,
0: t- incredibly, because it's the top 10 teams that get constructors' championship funding,
1: right. So if you if you could do that, that that would have been amazing. It did not happen. Guido Vandergaard uh, ended up 16th uh, ahead of Pastor Maldonado and the Marushas and all the retirees. So, yeah, could have been better for them uh, if there were more carnage, probably. You know, more attrition, whatever. You know, he did finish the race and uh, was actually the first guy to be lapped. Uh, but it, is, it is of course a longer lap here, so uh, you don't get so much lap traffic. But um, to stay almost on the lead lap, you know, good job Caterham for uh, doing that.
0: So, so back to Massa for a moment. Apparently, Luca de Monticello. Manu- de <laughs> <laughs> De, Montezemolo. de Montezemolo. Luca de Mazzarella, yeah. Ooh. I'm uh, still hungry. Don't yeah. forget that. Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> anyway, said that Felipe really has to start shaping up, basically. And to be fair, Ferrari was very supportive of Felipe when he had his uh, head injury in uh, 2009. And uh, has stuck with him, although not always as nicely as you'd like. But has stuck with him, you know, since. And you know, now we're it's going to be very likely through 2013, right? Right. But now they're really starting to say, "Dude, hey, what do you got for us?" Because this is starting to get a little old. And it, he has not won a race since um, the the head injury. It just hasn't happened. And. You know, that's debatable about how much was the team just favoring Alonso and that kind of stuff we can make. But you know, we have this conversation about Alonso going from ninth to second. And Felipe Massa went from tenth to seventh, which is good, but I feel like I feel like there's a bit of Nick Heidfeld coming on where it's like, okay, he can improve when he's really under pressure, but it's still not quite the consistent performance that a top team needs. And Felipe had a rough career in many ways, but a very good career in many ways. And maybe it is time for him to hang his helmet up, at least in Formula One terms.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking up his his stats. And, uh, yeah, so 2008, he won in Bahrain, Turkey, France, Europe, which is probably Valencia – um he won spa belgium yep spa uh and brazil and that's where he came second in the championship and the you know almost had it in the whole craziness yep and then since then yeah it was the beginning of his 09 season was a retirement ninth retirement 14th so (laughs) the first four rounds not so brilliant right and then you know in the european round starting in spain sixth fourth sixth fourth third in germany and then um, Hungary. Um, oh, so a, he
0: never won in two thousand nine. No, either. is where it went wrong. Oh wow!
1: So, you know, sat out the rest of that year. Came back in twenty ten with a second place in Bahrain, third place in Australia, um, and then was sort of mid pack for basically the rest of the year. I guess but a I th- th- couple I more thought podiums. There
0: was, maybe it was Hungary of twenty ten. I thought there was, or Germany of twenty ten. I, th- I thought there was a race where he was set to win, but that was the whole Alonso was faster than you bit. I thought that happened. That was was that uh, was that oh nine.
1: Well, he didn't have any second place in 09. Uh he had in 2010 he had a, he had two second places in in Bahrain and Germany.
0: Ah, I bet it was Germany, Germany, Germany 2010. 2010.
1: Yeah, like that. yeah. Yeah. Um and he but he came 6th in the constructors' championship that year. So, you know, Fernando being faster than him would have made sense and it would have been the thing to do as the te- you know, that's of course midway through the season and all that. Yeah. Um and then Yeah,
0: cuz well that was that was uh Vettel's first championship in 2010.
1: Right. Um so then yeah so 2010 Maza was 6th in the world championship uh 2011 the same 2012 7th and so far in 2013 he's 7th so um it's you know he yeah, had no no victories uh since like like you say uh since, since bef- Brazil of 08 I since, guess since the very end of 08 when it was almost his championship yeah and uh and it ended up becoming, you know obviously Lewis Hamilton uh ended up with it by a point um and uh and since then, you know, he had the best results as he had the podium in Brazil in 2012 and the podium uh, this year in Spain. Um, but otherwise, nothing. So, oh, no, had second place in Japan in Suzuka last year as well. So... Yeah, I mean it's there's these moments, but it's not enough to matter, uh, enough to really help the team in a huge in a huge way. You know, like Mark Webber has done for Red Bull in the same right. time period, and, and so on. Right. And you know, shadowed by Alonso uh, and, and his performances, and so on. Yeah, it's really just, uh, you know, it's I feel like it's just kind of time. Uh, you know, his his career, of course, started in
0: 2002, and, uh, and how many wins he has? He probably has over 10, right? I mean, he's he's not, you know, some crazy high up guy on the records, but he's got. He's got solid number of wins. I mean, you listed off five, I think, in his 2008 season alone. He has 11
1: uh, F1 wins. There you go. 36 podiums. Yep. That's... In 14 fastest laps, 15 pole positions. You know, he's, he's had a good run, but it's just not... It
0: is... Know. I mean, it is... up. I mean, because I think, just to put a juxtaposition on it... Uh, uh, God, that's becoming my favorite word, juxtaposition. Uh, David Coulthard, he's won like 18 times. He never won the championship. He was on the podium a bunch of times. He drove for a top team for a long time, McLaren. He drove thirteen for,
1: wins for Coulthard.
0: Oh well gosh, even closer. So uh you know, you know, you add Jim Lau together with Wikipedia. It's amazing. You have yourself some brainy stuff going on. The information just flows. Yeah. Anyway, uh you know, Coulthard. You know, he held on for a while. Held on for a while. and said, you know what? This isn't getting any better. And his post-formula career has been great on well, a lot of terms, in a lot of ways. So my, maybe Massa just needs to get to that place.
1: Well, now looking at the uh, list of Grand Prix winners sorted by number of wins, twenty-sixth um, place on the all-time list is tied three ways between Felipe Massa, Rubens Barrichello. Ah. Talk about the parallels there. Both with eleven wins uh, and long-ass careers involving Ferrari as number two drivers, no championships. And also Jacques Villeneuve uh, also has eleven wins, <laughs> well. um, and the one championship, but you know which shall no longer be talked about. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's these uh, these other names that will,
0: by the way, go down as the baggiest championship, <laughs> <laughs> the baggy era,
1: as it were. Um, yeah, Mark Weber with nine wins, uh, and uh, you know, probably uh, maybe one more this year. Who knows? Yeah, but it, it's not unlikely. Great though, Jensen Button, fifteen wins. I mean, it's it's interesting on here. Who? Uh, has and hasn't uh, come up with some success. There, yeah,
0: well, and it's funny because Jensen Button had one in 2006. Right. I don't think he got his second one until 2009 right. when he started getting a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from then on, he's proven to be a, a serious contender. Right. But it, for Moss, it's tough because he wants to keep going and stuff like that. But I feel like he's in that position where it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get more frustrating and more uh, demeaning. Whereas if he were to quit at the end of this year, he could probably land a pretty sweet ride in a pretty sweet race series and enjoy himself quite a bit. He's not too old to race. Right. And he's proven, and I'm more sensitive to this than I used to be, that post-head injury, you can still do things with your life and still be successful.
1: You can still come up with sweet words like juxtaposition.
0: Yes. And even some words in French. We. Oui. So <laughs> I have a lot of sympathy for him and a lot of support for him and a lot of love for him, but I just feel like – He needs to come to that conclusion on his own that, okay, this top seat he's had for as many years as he's had it and being mentored by Michael Schumacher when he was, all those things, he's had a lot of great, and he just needs to know, hey, there's a lot of – tons of positives to take from this. I need to bow out with some re- respect and dignity.
1: Yeah, and you know Ferrari, of course, is a big company on its own. I mean, their World Endurance Championship program is quite strong in GT, and of course, that's where Giancarlo Fisichella uh, is racing. That's yes. uh, Kamui Kobayashi is racing for them there. You know, they always do a big forgot about um, Kobayashi. He's, right. he's
0: doing GT. Yeah. he's in a four-five-eight challenge he's car. In huh? Le
1: Mans, yeah, doing all the stuff. Le Mans and, and the F Series. I mean, it's not a and, challenge car, but, you know. but right. Uh, so, you know, so, yeah, for Massa to end up doing that kind of thing or, like you say, you know, Brazilian touring cars or something. Or, I mean, maybe if, with, uh, if we have this resurgence of a nice battle at the top of LMP1 for Le Mans, I mean, that that, uh, as we were just talking about today, there's a lot, of, a lot of money being spent there. Of course, the Porsche program with Mark Webber. And all these things, you know, if, if Ferrari look at that and say, okay, hold on, you know, we want to do some interesting stuff with, uh, you know, whether it's hybrid technology or partnering up with different powertrains and doing different interesting things, you know, there could be still a place for Masa within Ferrari, but eh, maybe not Formula One. Right,
0: right, exactly Or he could drive right. a
1: UPS truck, you know, that's a big <laughs> sponsorship, <laughs> but, you know. Maybe
0: you know. Could, I mean, honestly, I don't know if there's any amount of dignity in this, but he could be a test driver if he wanted to stay in a Formula One car and he wanted to continue to help that way i okay it sounds like you and i agree though that a race seat for him in 2014 seems a touch on the unlikely side and it seems a little bit like an act of desperation for him to try to keep pushing for it
1: yeah and, and even if he gets some good results like let that be the end of your career with some good results rather than like see i kind of made it and then just be struggling along 2014 race by race saying oh now can i please have my job and can i please like you know, put a put a you know stamp on the end of it and, and move on and have a good rest of your life. He's got dudes got money, he's got kids now, he's got whatever, like just do your thing. life is great. Um, but 2014, yes, uh, there may or may not be a race in New Jersey. This has come out Ooh. right, so it was supposed well. to be on the calendar this year. Uh, last year, of course, you and I went out and did our, our tour of the track circuit and all that to see what is this
0: circuit going to be all about and Because it that. is awesome and we are awesome. Right. And it is available on our uh, super amazing uh, and new YouTube channel, right. W
1: Cars. So go to, you, go to funwithcars.com. There's a link to YouTube right there. You can check it out. Uh, if you want to see us driving around the track and commenting on it and so on, um but now and so of course it was moved back from not okay not happening this year um the, the money isn't right it was sort of an ecclestone um you know oh, that the you know they haven't come through with the right deals and blah 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 um and then but you know as we talked about then you know the the, the pit complex is there and it's built and the track layout has been set aside and all the, all the you know it seems like a lot of the hard work of planning has happened um but it's now apparently back to, um uh, you know, locals uh, still not happy about transportation. I think some high-powered and you know very uh, influential uh, folks with a fair bit of mon- fair bit of money. Uh, Are still sort of having their say in this whole thing, and so now there's and
0: this is East Coast old money we're talking about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, so there's just a new you know statement out from Bernie Ecclestone saying, "Oh, you know this this race I don't think he said if he said won't happen or likely won't happen or whatever, but you know oh that's you know not going to happen this year." Which okay, that's an Ecclestone statement. Usually that is more um, shooting past the mark. Um, just to try to, you know, move some negotiations. You know, there's some some conversation happening somewhere where they said, "Oh, Bernie Eccleston's not going to call the race off," and so he just makes a point to go to the press somewhere and go, "Oh, there's not going to be a race in New Jersey next year," just to try to move his agenda forward and so on. So right. maybe there will be, but it's looking increasingly uh, less likely, <laughs> as a figure of speech, um, <laughs> that the uh, the New Jersey race that we've been looking forward to uh, may not happen uh, next year. And I think if it doesn't happen next year, that's its longer-term chances of ever happening are just dwindling and dwindling. Well, uh, if it keeps getting pushed back, I mean, yeah, okay. The, the investment the in, in the money in the complex has been made, but um, it seems like there would be a fair amount of other work and logistics and everything else to uh, to really make the race happen. And uh, if that you know doesn't happen for two years, then what's going to change so drastically that it's going to need to happen you know longer term than that?
0: Well, I'll repeat uh, on the podcast what I said you uh, when you first told me this, which is. Um I genuinely believe it's a really cool street circuit layout, and it has a lot of potential for good. And, uh, like you've already said, it they put a lot of the expense and a lot of hassle into doing this. I would love it if someone could come up with a way, and by someone I mean some race organizi- organizer, to utilize this um, this street circuit, because it's got a lot of potential to be sweet. So... Think about it as a potential um, U.S. Uh, endurance Series event. What is it being called United now? United Sports Car Racing. United Sports Car Racing. It is the merger of Grand Am and ALMS, which is American Le Mans Series, by the way. And uh, they could take it and turn it into a really cool race. Um, IndyCar is kind of an obvious one. Um, if, if one of those series could come together and just be a little bit more of a soft peddler when it, when it comes to dealing with the... Uh, influencers in the city and the state it'd be really sweet for that event to happen even if it isn't Formula 1 of course I still hope that it's going to be Formula 1
1: right Um, and that's I think there's more of a chance of that happening I guess if F1 does actually back out but what's weird is we're in this middle ground of it's not official one way or the other. The race, you know, it was officially on the calendar for next year. So, but you know, at what point does it officially happen? I guess once, once the, once the lights go out on Friday or something, I mean, (laughs) you you can really say, okay, you know, the things are being set up and all that, but, you know, if if F1, if after, at the end of this year, with Bernie and the team were to say, okay, it's definitely not happening. We are, you know, releasing the contract, blah, 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 then there's that chance. But if it keeps getting strung along year after year of, oh, maybe this will happen or maybe that won't happen, then, you know, who's in charge of the building? And are they going to put in, you know, the pit building and all that? Are they going to put money into it? Is it is it a parking garage now? Is it going to be automatically oh repurposed it, for it's other
0: a, stuff? It's a parking garage now. Right. Come join us.
1: Like, you know, it's it's sort of. That's where it becomes less and less likely that something will be able to be made out of it. So, yeah, there's, uh, you know, and there's p- opinions from people that live in the area saying, oh, it's hard enough to get in and out of that area on a normal weekday, let alone with the race there and all that. Like, oh, this is this was never going to happen from the get-go. Which, and to
0: them, we say, but racing. But, dude, 1. how cool would that be? Yeah. be on
1: your balcony in Weehawken, New Jersey, and just, meow, you know, race cars going by of whatever sort, or, as the new cars will sound. Wing. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so we think hopefully that that, that, that still happens, but um, it's all, but uh, so in its place, um, what's now being talked about is the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, as you and I have talked about on the show, um, the uh, The venue would be the Autódromo Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico City, which needs a lot of work to be up to F1 standards. Sure. But Carlos Slim Domit has a lot of money and <laughs> any, anything yes. is possible with a lot of money. So um that's that's being talked about now for 2014, so sort of a, as a random back-on-the-grid surprise, uh, back-on-the-calendar kind of thing, um, which, of course, could be good for Esteban Gutierrez and Chaco and Perez for having all their local fans. And, uh, and as I've talked about in the past, there is just a very big following for, for motor racing and F1 uh, in Mexico. And I think that uh, that would be, you know, another uh, great potential venue for, uh, you know, just the local support and kind of a, a venue that's been off the calendar for long enough that there's just a lot of people that really like it. And they, they remember it from when they were kids and now they have kids and whatever, just kind of a, a fun uh, return to the calendar. That in South Africa, man, South Africans would be crazy but if another uh, another race happened there. They, uh-huh. they would love yeah. that because there's nowhere else local for South Africa either. Um, but anyway, I think that would be cool. It could tie up with Austin. You know, it's just uh, not too far away. it's uh, Same time zones, the whole thing. Uh, so, I'm, you know, that would be cool if that were to happen. That would be one I would put on my list of uh, maybe to go visit, um, to well, go and, hit and up the Mexican Grand I, Prix. If
0: I ever get to go, I would definitely want to go with you. Your Spanish is definitely better than my Spanish. There's no doubt about that.
1: I can order us all kind of different tacos. I know all the flavors, <laughs> and it's just going to be wow. fine.
0: That's the one part where I could help. I can say taco. I can say burrito. I can say enchilada. I can say pollo, even.
1: Yep, yep.
0: That's Those are all things. I can even say non-pollo, which I'm assuming <laughs> is beef. <laughs> L beefo. And that's where Robin went wrong. <laughs>
1: Anyway, okay. uh, so there's doubts about uh, Korea as well. You know, they're talking about doing a new track in Korea in a different spot. Who knows? Yeah, but, uh, India. Uh, that one,
0: oh, the Korean track, boy, that there's right. just a lot of problems.
1: And uh, and India is also uh, not on the 2014 calendar. They're talking about maybe it'll come back for 2015, but there's, there's trouble there. So the calendar actually could look a fair bit different next year um, with uh, the Russian Grand Prix, Austrian Grand Prix, uh, no India, no Korea, potentially no New Jersey, um, well, and maybe Mexico. I have Mexico. to say,
0: it's nice that, Europe is getting something. You know what I mean? It's, it it there's been so much of a European shrinking of the sport, which is good for it to be properly worldwide, but it's bad for Europe to feel like it's losing something it did in fact start. And uh so I'm happy to see them getting a little bit more love that way. Yeah. Okay, our last podcast was not about a specific race. No, it was our mid-season teammate review. And it was a lot of fun for us because we just got to talk a lot about our, our opinions on how the different drivers are doing. And uh, it was cool because... It seems like you guys like it, and we love it when you guys like things, but um, we didn't get a lot of comments on the actual website, but that's okay. Our fans were speechless, I think is what the deal was. Is right. They were like,
1: wow, they've said so many brilliant things, I can't even think anymore.
0: That's what I thought, too, until I went to our Facebook page, and it turns out uh, they had um, things to say there. So that was cool. So thank you to uh, Craig Wilson, Daniel Watson, Neil Popham, Lori Jordan, Paul Bryant, Matt Patterson, Paul Morgan, and... Uh, oh, that's the that's the that's the end of it. I don't have anyone else to thank. But um, let's see. I, I, a couple people. Uh, yeah, Neil got right to it. Here's my prediction for the 2014 driver lineup: Red Bull, Vettel, Raikkonen. So Neil and I agree. Ferrari, Alonso, Hulkenberg. Interesting, right? Right on. I I, I can I can get behind that. I kind of like that. Lotus, Grosjean, Di Resta. And he said he was tempted to put Botas, the Finn, or Bianchi, the Italian, French. French. I knew that. Uh, Bianchi is an Italian bicycle maker. So I don't. Yeah.
1: Thank you for that. Anyway, well, it's true. Thank you for clarifying.
0: <laughs> tempted to put Botas or Bianchi instead of Deresta. but I think they'll have to stay where they are. Mm. Uh, let's see, Lori Jordan. Uh, I'm not sure was excited or dismayed because there was another poem, but uh, it was dismay. <laughs> But she also went on to say that she couldn't make up her mind about the 2014 lineup. She thought uh, that Red Bull uh, taking Alonso was unlikely, Um, and it seemed you know she went on to say that God Ferrari seems so good for him. But she said she had a hard time with Raikkonen moving to Red Bull. So as do I, and and so many other very smart people. So you basically, you've got Canada on your side, homie. That's, yeah, you know, that's a thing. Good for you.
1: A lot of people there, and bears.
0: A lot of people, and they have poutine, which And I you do. know what they
1: have, I just drove through Canada? McLobster. The McDonald's what? in Canada, at least in Ontario, which is where we were, has McLobster is a thing. Well, and we try, Ontario's
0: actually... got to be the most populated province. Province, I think province. is the word you're going for there. Whatever. Um, but, no, they, we they, heard Ontario this. Ontario does have the most populated Capital, I would, I would think Island.
1: so, as there is, uh, you know, as you know, there's of course, you know, Vancouver, BC, or whatever. But otherwise, I think BC is pretty sparse. Yeah, I think you know, Toronto and, and Ottawa and the wholeness, everything in, in Ontario. But we heard about this on the radio. There's McLobster. There's a thing you can go to McDonald's. Did you and, order and one? We tried, and they were out at the two different McDonald's we started. They we were went out. To, yes. Uh, how
0: do you? How does McDonald's ever become out of anything? Of, I don't know. So we went there. And, God. And the, See uh, the Canadians it doesn't you know I McDonald's know. always has to have stuff. But, All of it. Uh, but uh, we went there, and
1: the and the the guy behind the counter was just amazed of like how excited uh, my wife and I were about the the prospect of a McLobster Lobster. And I said, oh, everybody wants it now that we just ran out two days ago. Now
0: we need to hear from Lori specifically. We are not asking our – Well, she's
1: not in Ontario, though. They met – because it was Atlantic Canadian Lobster that was in the the McLobster. Well,
0: okay. We we need I know we've got some fans out
1: there in Toronto, Windsor, London, somewhere. So um, please do – if you've had the McLobster, please uh, let us know on uh, funwithcars.com or hashfunwithcars on Twitter. And speaking of hashfunwithcars on Twitter – but, but what?
0: But it's time I, for the kids. I know, but I, there's, one more, there's one more adult that I wanted to give a, a shout-out to and, and say what, tell you what he thought. Paul Morgan said that he thought Red Bull was going to be Vettel and Ricardo. So he agreed with you. So he's wrong. And he thought, um, he thought Ferrari was going to be Alonso and Duresta, mm. And he thought Lotus was going to be Raikkonen and Vandergaard.
1: Vandergarten. yeah, Ooh, whoa, yeah, that is a dreamy looking man. Yeah, yeah, so that would be a good uh, Paul, looking lineup. going to win
0: wow. Grosjean was out as yeah. far as as far as he concerned. Okay, what do the kids have to say? Well, we oh, had, by the way, what? Neil Popham, soda cookies, that's awesome. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
1: Um, So we had uh, some good activity on Hash FW Cars. Uh, Ben Azuma was lamenting the fact that MotoGP qualifying was on at the exact same time as F1 qualifying. So stupid! If people are trying to watch both top-level motorsports on two wheels and four, what's a guy to do? Well, Ben posted a picture. He's got uh, F1 on the laptop and MotoGP up on the TV right in front of it. So he's doing the split-screen schizophrenic qualifying viewing. Shouldn't
0: it be the other way around? Because F1, uh, if you're watching F1 qualifying, there's definitely more tires. Right, that there I mean, are near double, tires. if not more than double. Right, um, and uh, we also
1: had uh, Ryan Higgins. Uh, you know, during Quali, what the heck's going on? Force India just made a good call. What? Marusha in Q two? What's going on? <laughs> uh, but the best, uh, the best uh, takeaway from Quali, I have to say, was uh, posted by Bernard A. Uh, was uh, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel after Quali, and Hamilton is giving Vettel the Vettel finger. <laughs> it's like, oh, buddy, he's got this <laughs> stupid look <laughs> on his face. <laughs> And Vettel's just smiling about it, so it looks like he, he took it well.
0: But well, because uh, this finger is also from my grandmother.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, so that was that was fun. But also uh, shout out to uh, you know James Payne, uh, who also went my way with predictions, uh, which again didn't end up so well. Um, and uh, Lori Jordan uh, keeping in touch on the uh, on to Twitter feed, as well as uh, Amy Louise Geek Girl F1 was in there as well.
0: Geek Girl F1. That is her Twitter name, yes. I, that uh, right there means it's impossible for her, her to be a geek. She must be intelligent and beautiful. There, there's just no way. If she's in F1 enough so that she would call herself a Geek Girl F1...
1: That's I'm just going to blow your mind further by saying that she is a Jensen Button fan using hash believe in McLaren. OMG. Yes, and also from Facebook, we've got a message from James Kilgore, who's a longtime fan but just recently joined the Facebook group. So welcome, and we hope that we f- you find it fun. Yeah, a sure full-on full message uh, this time, he was, right? Yeah, a message on Facebook. Uh, going to spa this weekend, so hope you had a good time. Didn't get too rained on, and I oh, uh, was looking so forward cool. to the
0: atmosphere and taking a few pictures, too. So that's cool. Thank you for checking in. In fact, I'm typing to him now, <clears throat> welcome, sir very very well, you don't enthusiastically need to tell him on the, the show way. what you're but typing in because this is a show I'm not saying it because it's just for him it is private
1: <laughs> What is going on over there
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes well I replied to him just now and I think I think it's very cool that he's joining us
1: Yes I do as well and let's talk predictions Ooh happy to All right, so for predictions this week, I think really the more important thing in SPA is qualifying.
0: You don't really need to look at race results. So oh, yeah. Can... You know, that's funny. I, I had that conversation with uh, Neil Pop and myself, and he said, don't worry. I fixed the glitch. Uh, race results do work. So, no, actually, race results are good. We're there. Uh, so... And it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to ask you why, why, sir, were you not on the first page of uh, the race results? In fact, the second, with, with 53rd. It yeah.
1: seems pretty... I was qu- brilliant for qualifying and thinking that Hamilton would be on pole, and he was, and that was great. Yeah, oh no, it's good for you for picking the thing that's I been happening over so and over. Brilliant. Yeah, good for you for that. <laughs> hey, you got it wrong. Just don't get all uppity about getting the quality wrong. <laughs> uh, um, then I thought Kimi Raikkonen was going to go on, and there were lots of others who did as well. I mean, looking at page two, it's, it's nearly filled with Raikkonen predictors, so at least uh, I was not the only one going down in the particular Raikkonen brake duct, visors, tear-off, ship uh, but, yes, yes, I did. that did 53rd, go terribly wrong. Sir. I got 22 points this weekend. That is um, more than I got.
0: Not a great showing. How Whatever. many Cokes do you owe me?
1: Like 78. It doesn't, doesn't even matter. I
0: would love to make that 74 and drink four of them right now. <laughs> I could be arranged, actually. So you,
1: my friend, are overall in predictions number one. You have 31 points. Um, and you are, in fact, quite a bit ahead of the second place Ryan Higgins, who did quite well this weekend, um, who has 43 points. Yes. And it goes up from there with Scott Christie, Fraser McDonald, Chris Stark, and onward.
0: That is that is kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I think it's because um, I am a uh, savant. So you, know, you hit your head and blah, 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 and it turns out you hit, you're unleashing some hidden power. And I unleash the hidden power of... Picking Sebastian Vettel more right. often. <laughs> so last week, I was not too – or last week, last month, I was not so far behind
1: Damien, our, pres- uh, our prediction statistical model. Yes. Who just says whoever was on poll last time will do so again, and whoever won the race will do so again. Um, he, uh, overall, we've, we've uh, anthropomorphized him into a male named Damien. Um, he predicted that – That uh, would be
0: like a pretty – like if it were a female that would be a pretty you'd be pretty upset at the parents wouldn't you be like Damien, really Damian, your daughter
1: yeah really hmm. well you named it in this is our spreadsheet so whatever we but, created but, this
0: well yeah uh, so yes Damian is 43rd
1: in the championship uh in the, in the uh, predictions back game that with uh 94 points i am 53rd with 113 points so Okay, I am not as good as a spreadsheet at predicting what's going to happen in a race. So per se.
0: I don't know. I think you can pull it out.
1: Mr. Captain Brilliance over here. Yes. What's going to happen? Um, that is my name. Mr. Captain. Uh, for
0: Italy, Monza, pizza. What... Oh, my God. Pizza will win because we will order it and it will be delicious. There's no doubt about it. I don't care what happens in <laughs> the second race. no doubt
1: about it. We've got wow. I, uh, <clears throat>
0: uh, There's no doubt about it. Um, who's going to win at Monza? I'll be honest with you. Alonso's performance today helped me add confidence to a prediction I was thinking about even before we watched Spa, which is you know, Ferrari is nipping at the heels Monza is massively important to them and they are successful there, I mean Alonso has won with Ferrari there, I believe it was last year, if it wasn't it was 2011 Um, or I'm wrong There's one of those three things and I think that uh, Alonzo can pull off a race win again, and I also think that Alonso can start the race from pole position. That one is actually the harder one of the two to decide on, but I, I, I'm going to go ahead and do it and say that it's going to be Alonzo both on pole and... To win the race, Alonso pole position. Wow! I know. That's,
1: Ferrari pole? That's no. That's great. You're, well, but you're that's, taking risks, man. You're we're out, out way in front. And you can afford to make dumb calls, and you're making <laughs> one. And, that's, and I think but, that's
0: great. Well, no, it's a funny thing. It's it, it, we <clears throat> joke. Yet I am very seriously much more nervous about my qualifying predictions than I am my race prediction. Yeah, as I should be. I mean, Alonso has been uh, a lot stronger in racing than he has in qualifying.
1: Right. So. Um Alonso's recent victories were, of course, Spain this year, China this year, um, and then last year he was third in Italy, um, but did win in Germany, uh, Europe, in Valencia, I think it was, um, and Malaysia. year before that, he won in England, but no other wins, and then so it was back to 2010 was his last Italian uh, Grand Prix So victory. he won his
0: first year. Yeah With Ferrari But not since Okay And
1: that was when I mean that was when He was in the contention For the championship Right down to Abu Dhabi You remember that That was yes. where he got stuck Behind who was it uh, uh,
0: Like was Oh it yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something uh, was, Oh shoot Yeah It was uh, Oh it was the uh, Russian It was Petrov Oh Petrov Yeah that's right yeah. it was
1: so, you know, because, yeah, so, I mean, in 2010, Alonso had wins in, in, in Bahrain, Germany, Italy, Singapore, Korea, you know, a bunch of other podiums, you know, really good results, and came second in the championship by just a point or half a point or whatever it ended up being. So, anyway, um, yeah, Wikipedia is fun, man. There's a lot of numbers <laughs> on it, and, and I can look at it. Numbers them. are good. All right, so you're going Alonso, Alonso. Um, yes. I, uh, Vettel, Vettel.
0: Ooh, you're really.
1: It's I realize it's you lame. You and Damien
0: are just best buds now, huh?
1: Yeah, but... uh, I mean it's low down force, that's really what I think Red Bull did well here in Spa. Um, and again, even if it's not Vettel on pole, he won't be far off of it and, and so on in the retirements and whatever. So yes, uh, that's,
0: that's fascinating that's where I'm going. What I was gonna say is the one this is the one race where I think Vettel won't do so well. Right.
1: Well, we'll see. That's why we that's why we do the predictions. But sir,
0: yes on the spot. Bonus prediction. Oh my goodness, bonus prediction
1: who will be the next world champion driver that is not already a world champion driver
0: that is not already so who will be the next the next first new time
1: one. world championship winner
0: oh man oh man oh man the right so you're on one. the spot here for this one yeah um it's interesting to think about. Um, I am I mean, on the, the, spot. the, so
1: the top so, so, okay, so the current standings is Vettel, right? Okay, he's already won, whatever. Right. Alonzo, Hamilton. So Raikkonen, um, Weber is the highest place guy. He's not going to race again. It's not going to be him. Then brings us to Rosberg, which is like,
0: eh, maybe, but... Possibly. Um, you know, probably Possibly. not. Possibly. I mean, is it
1: going to be... You know, he is technically number one driver at Mercedes, but, um, you know, eh. And then it's Massa, and it's like, okay, we just talked about that. Right. And then you find Grosjean, and then yeah. you go back to DiResta, and So then it's like kind of – then it's like, is it going to be somebody like Hulkenberg who well, right now is in the – That is you know, a
0: perfect place for you to stop because, yes, that is who I'm going to go ahead and say. I think um, – again, this is taking a risk. I think that if he makes the right moves to the right team, Hulkenberg has shown uh, in multiple ways that he is a proper talent. And I think given the opportunity, he would be able to succeed. However, I'm going to add that it might be a while. I mean, <laughs> right, because I mean, there are so many world champions in the
1: field, and they are, they are going to be the ones who continue to do well. Yeah, and, and so I'm on, thinking right? about the
0: ones that are really itching for it Hamilton, Alonso, those guys, those two right there are huge. Right. Fettel, obviously. Right. So, uh, you know, Button, certainly, if they can get the McLaren sorted out, and he happens to still drive that car next year. <laughs> Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or if if he moves to Ferrari Or if he moves to Red Bull I mean there's so many plays Like for all the champions That are in the
0: field And to move forward So that's why I was looking at that So I was like
1: That's actually kind of An interesting question No it's a
0: very interesting question And Raikkonen too Okay but I've answered Hulkenberg Sir Oh and by the way Hold on are we limited to the current F one lineup? No,
1: if you think it's like Alexander Rossi or somebody, that's that is totally within play.
0: I'd be sweet if it was.
1: It would be sweet, I don't think it will be, but, nah, it would neither be sweet. I. <laughs> but why? Were you, are you is there someone else that you think is No,
0: I'm just curious because it's like could you say for example, like the current like this year's F3 champion is going to go ahead go on and do it or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean
1: certainly. If that's if you think who that's who's going to be the next
0: winner. By the way, a real quick aside. Um Alexander Rossi did end up on the podium for GP2, which is obviously the feeder series to Formula 1 and uh Alexander Rossi um is a very highly regarded um American driver in terms of F1 hope. But uh you know, money and things like that may cause a problem. Who knows?
1: Right. Um, so I yeah, I think Holmberg is a pretty solid choice. Um, I would uh, I would agree if it weren't that uh, I want to do something slightly different. And I'm gonna just go ahead and put my money on Paul DeResto making the right moves. Ah, okay. Um, you know, maybe a. You said
0: Paul and for some reason. First thing I thought was Pastor Maldonado. I said. What?
1: Really? really? No. I'm actually well, surprised. Well, maybe actually. I mean, who knows, right? It could be a Villeneuve situation or something. In he terms of experience,
0: bad, in terms of experience, promise, and uh, current um, current possibility in terms of drives, Rosberg is the best choice. And, I mean, in terms of just yeah, but just I wonder. I mean, I feel that like, would be Damien's choice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, he is the highest placed guy that, that fits the criteria, but. Um, the question is sort of is career trajectories, right? Because it's I don't think we're going to see a lack of champion of current champions at the top of the grid um, in the next you know say three years, right? I mean with with uh, Vettel doing his thing, with Alonso, Hamilton, Raikkonen, you know who knows where he's going to end up and how this all can happen. Button, you know who's going to resurge and whatever. So what we're looking at like. You know, either something crazy happens for a season, and someone you know one of these underdogs just bubbles up to the surface, or this is you know the next generation. This is you know DeResta after he's been at Ferrari for two seasons, or whatever. You know, like right, right, that's right. what's kind of interesting about it. Or, or like you say, who knows, right? Who's going to come out of the woodwork and uh, and start to do well? So it could be Ricardo. I mean, actually, if he uh, if he oh, moves to Red Bull, yeah, if, if Ricardo gets so, the Red
0: Bull seat, absolutely. And that actually could be a dark horse bet. That one,
1: right? So. um I'm interested in what our fans think about this now that we've come up with this question and it's actually kind of an interesting uh, conversation to have. So uh, feel free to stop by funwithcars.com. You can comment right on the post there. You can see links to our Facebook page, Twitter feed, and YouTube channel, and on and on and on from there. Or you can always email feedback at funwithcars.com. So let us know first who you think will be the next first-time F1 Drivers' Champion and uh, anything else you think about our show. And thank you very much for listening. So we will be back in two weeks' time. Yes. Uh, coverage of Italy, the pizza, Italian uh, I Monza. Am
0: so excited! I, this chunk of the counter is my favorite. Spa is my second favorite race. Monza is my favorite. It just is. It nice. Just, it,
1: so uh, let's. We can go. Actually, we can feed your hunger and whatnot. We can find some fish and chips or whatever it takes. Pizza Ooh. on a waffle. I don't know something. Ooh.
0: But uh, until pizza. then, I am Jim Lau, and I and Robin Warner. With a quick word about Spa. Oh, goodness. This is not the place for a sunbath, nor is it for ocean view. But if you're looking for racing action, need go no further than the rouge of O, oh, or O, whatever. <laughs> the roads fall and rise, camber comes and goes, and here, the real strength of Formula One cars show. The race begins, brings excitement the moment the lights go off. Spa rules all. It keeps the biggest critic from uttering the slightest scoff. (laughs) You had to reach for that one. (laughs) So hurry to Belgium. Your track, so hooray to Belgium. Your track is sublime. And three cheers for me for another successful rhyme. I'm Robin Warner. Thank you. Thank you.